Okay, once upon a time, way, way back in the beginning when there was no Redeemer, there was this man named Irv Queel who was an elder of Park City's Presbyterian Church. And uh, he was praying for Waco. But he was praying specifically that God would plant a church in Waco. Uh, but not just any kind of church, a church that was built around good news, not good advice. Uh, about a year later, we met. I was in my first year at seminary. And I was in a four-year program at the seminary I was at. And in my second year at seminary, Irv came up to me and said, Jeff, I'm praying that God sends you to Waco to plant a church. <laughs> and I said, Irv, don't pray that prayer because I am not going to Waco. <laughs> Two years later, I'm packing two kids and my wife and what we had, and we're traveling to Waco. So to this day, I send all my crucial prayer requests to Irv because God seems to answer his prayers and not mine. Uh, before we left, I asked Irv, I was really kind of nervous about going down there. I mean, this is like the first church from the network, and I was wondering like, okay, so Irv, what, what's this church going to look like? What should it look like? Three years, five years, ten years. What should the church be? I'm just nervous about the, everything about it. And he said, Jeff, here's what I envision. I envision that when people think of Redeemer in Waco, they will say that church is different. It's just different. Because Irv knew the secret to what being different is. When you build a life, when you build relationships, when you build a church around good news, not good advice, you're incredibly and always different. So I am forever grateful to this church. It has forever shaped me, my family, and Redeemer Waco. So please stand for the hearing of God's word. We're gonna look at Lamentations. We're gonna be in chapter four. And we're gonna look at 11 through 13, and then we're gonna go 21 and 22. So the Lord gave full vent to his wrath. He poured out his hot anger and he kindled a fire in Zion that consumed its foundations. The kings of the earth did not believe, nor any of the inhabitants of the world, that foe or enemy could ever enter the gates of Jerusalem. This is for the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests, who shed in the midst of her the blood of the righteous. Now let's move to 21. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, you who dwell in the land of Uz. But to you also the cup shall pass. You shall become drunk and strip yourself bare. The punishment of your iniquity, O daughter of Zion, is accomplished. He will keep you in exile no longer. But your iniquity, O daughter of Edom, he will punish and he will uncover your sins. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Okay, let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would shine on the page. We thank you that your words are, are living, they're active. We thank you that your words uh, are your acting. And so would you shine? And we ask this in your name, amen. So what's the human condition in Lamentations? What's the human need? What's the human whole? What's the, what's the great burden of Lamentations? If we were to take a normal, ordinary, unspectacular uh, Israelite and do open heart surgery on him, what would we find on the inside of a normal, ordinary Israelite? There's a French journalist named Lena Mager who spent five years reporting on a story she said she couldn't shake and she couldn't believe. 
It's now a book called The Vanished, The Evaporated People of Japan. Some of you might have read it. It is estimated that at least 100,000 Japanese men and women disappear every year. I said 100,000. Uh, it's so taboo, Mager writes. It's something you can't really talk about, but people disappear. Why are so many people disappearing in Japan? It's one answer. It's incredibly powerful. It's deeply personal. Shame. Shame. Meet Norihiro, he's 50, he disappeared 10 years ago. Two things gave him shame. First, he was cheating on his wife, but in his own eyes, this, actually the second one was greater. He lost his job as an engineer. And so what did he do? Well, he did nothing, because he was too ashamed to tell his wife, too ashamed to tell his family. So what he did is he got up every morning, ate his breakfast, put on his coat and tie, grabbed his briefcase, went out the door, went to his job, parked the car and sat in it all day. Every day, for seven days. He was so scared that his secret was gonna get out that he finally said, I couldn't take it anymore. So on the eighth day, he did the same routine and then he disappeared. No note, no mention. His wife and his kids to this day have no idea what happened to him. Mogert says 10 years later, she came across near a hero. And he said this, after all this time, I could certainly take back my old identity, but I don't want my family to see me in this state. Look at me, I look like nothing, I am nothing. If I die tomorrow, I don't want anyone to be able to recognize me. Meet an unnamed young mother of a disabled eight-year-old boy. One day, it was on her son's uh, musical. She promised her son that morning, son, honey, I'll, I'll be there, I'll be on the front row. And when he got up to perform, her seat was empty and she was never heard from again. Yuichi, another evaporated person, says, listen, when we fled society, we disappeared the first time. Here, in this disappeared or evaporated state, she said, we are killing ourselves slowly. Mager writes, in conclusion, whatever shame motivates a Japanese citizen to vanish, it's no less painful than the boomerang effect on their families, who in turn are so ashamed by having a missing relative that they don't even report it to the police. So shame produces shame, begets shame. Shame is a big deal. Shame evaporates us. It causes you and me to disappear one inch at a time, one piece at a time. Shame is the world of lamentations. Shame is that painful feeling or that painful experience of just not being good enough, of not measuring up of being unacceptable, and therefore you're not worthy to be loved, you're not worthy to be accepted. When sin came into the world in Genesis 3, we are told that the first men and women were what? Naked and ashamed. Nakedness means to have, nakedness means to be exposed. It means to have your unacceptability exposed, to have your imperfections and your deep flaws exposed, to have the reality of religiously being called a sinner exposed, evil and wicked and self-absorbed, exposed. Every human being comes into the world naked and ashamed. It is the human condition. It is your and my condition right 
now. Popular speaker and writer, uh, Brene Brown, y'all have heard of her. Most of you probably have. She says perfectionism is the primary shield that we use to try to cover our shame. She says, quote, perfectionism is the belief that we do things perfectly, if we do things perfectly, and look perfect, we can minimize or avoid the pain of shame. Perfectionism is a 20-ton shield that we lug around thinking it will protect us. Do you get that picture? It is this 20-ton Spartan shield. What's yours? Being a good Christian? Being a good mom? Avoiding sin? An addiction, the attention of men, every one of us in this room are lugging around a 20-ton shield to try to protect us from shame. So what is Lamentations inviting us to do with our nakedness and shame? The answer is found in, in 22. Let's look at it again. It says, the punishment of your iniquity, O daughter of Zion, is accomplished. He will keep you in exile no longer. What's so striking is on the eve of the ultimate, the ultimate exile, the cosmic exile of the universe, Jesus says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And God said, no, no, I won't let it pass. God is so willing to heal your shame. He was unwilling to spare his son shame. Jesus became our shame. He became it. You take the most shamed person on the planet and it was him the most shamed and naked human being in all the history of the world, and it was him. And that's why the Bible makes a big deal about Jesus being naked, because he was exposed, flawed, unacceptable, not worthy of love and acceptance, rejected cosmically, apocalyptically, ultimately. And he did so for you and me. Lamentations invites us to go boldly to the only one who can take away your shame. Go boldly with your nakedness. Go boldly with your shame to Jesus because he is the only shame eater on the planet. He's the only shield that protects us now and forever and forever and forever from shame. Amen.